Welcome to this Linklaters podcast on operational resilience. Joining me are Pansy Wong and Becky Heesman. Today, we're going to look ahead to the new operational resilience regime by looking back on events since the regulators first published their draft rules. Pansy, the UK regulators launched their consultations on operational resilience back in December 2019. Has anything interesting happened since then? Oh, well, yes, I would say so, Simon. Obviously, the pandemic and the response to COVID-19 has really turned the world upside down since then. In the UK, looking back, I think it's remarkable how the financial industry responded to the pandemic and lockdowns and so on, and has really managed to keep the show on the road. That response has been great news story for the sector and in many ways a demonstration of resilience in practice. But then the the draft rules were obviously published before the pandemic, so presumably the regulators had something different in mind when they were writing them. As you say, the draft rules were published in 2019, and before that there was a discussion paper from 2018 which put forward some of the main ideas for operational resilience. So what were they suggesting that firms needed to be resilient to? Well, largely they were looking further back at incidents and outages that had impacted financial services in the preceding years and months. These included countless failed IT upgrades, a system failure at a card scheme, successful cyber attack on cardholders at a retail bank, and so on. It's that sort of incident related to IT that the policymakers really had in mind. And Becky, um, are those IT incidents, are they still relevant today? Well, very much so. In fact, in February, the Financial Conduct Authority released findings from a review of how financial firms manage IT upgrades. I'd say the most important thing to note is that IT upgrades are consistently one of the top causes of operational disruption in financial services. This is why the FCA is so focused on how financial firms manage technology change. And what did the FCA find from its review? Well, one thing the FCA concluded was that stronger governance arrangements contribute to successful IT change. And actually, the longer you have those arrangements in place, the better. The FCA found a positive correlation between the longevity of technology change governance arrangements and a higher rate of successful IT changes. So I see it makes sense that well-established governance arrangements would lead to uh, better outcomes. Is that what the FCA is saying? Well, that's absolutely right. So related to this, other things they highlighted were more day-to-day -day risk management, more automation, and more robust testing and planning, all made for better outcomes. On the other hand, emergency changes made disruption more likely. This is unsurprising because when you're making urgent changes, this typically means skipping the assurance and governance steps you'd normally have in place. Legacy infrastructure is another significant factor. Again, unsurprisingly, the more you rely on older technology, the more likely you are to have emergencies relating to that technology with a higher chance that it would cause major issues. And we see particularly in organizations that have you know, merged or acquired businesses over time, and they acquire those legacy, legacy systems and try to in, input them into their main systems, these cause issues. All of this is important because over 90% of the firms that the FCA looked at relied on legacy technology in some form. So the FCA has been looking at uh, IT upgrades and, and how financial firms uh, manage them in practice. Overall, what, what would you say are the, the key messages um, that the FCA is trying to communicate with this review? In short, 
financial services are reliant on IT. That IT needs updating regularly. And so firms need to manage those updates with confidence. The FCA's findings shine the spotlight on the operational risks linked to technology change. There are plenty of operational risks out there, and some are far more headline than IT upgrades. So it's interesting that the FCA has chosen to focus on this point to really hammer home one of the fundamental points of operational resilience, which is that firms need to understand the services they provide, understand how those services can be disrupted, and then invest in resilience to protect their business and their customers. So it seems to me that the FCA is reminding firms uh, about some of the other risks that are out there, which aren't related to uh, the pandemic. Uh, but Pansy, th their final approach isn't going to uh, completely ignore COVID-19, is it? No, I don't think so. It would be a real surprise if the outcome of all the policy work that's happened in the background isn't influenced by the events that have taken place since the consultation have launched. There's definitely lessons to be learned from the firm's real life experiences, and I'd be really surprised if the FCA doesn't reflect those. We've seen the FCA reflecting this sort of disruption that's happened in COVID-19 in other areas, so I would be surprised if they don't mention it at all. Some of the lessons that people have learned, for example, include fixing any weaknesses in business continuity plans and contingency plans that have been highlighted by the pandemic, and also thinking about resourcing and people issues. All of that said, COVID-19 has been a really unusual source of disruption. It combined multiple types of disruption events, a health emergency, the dislocation of people and the need to quickly replicate office setups at home, market volatility and so on, all at the same time. But it impacted the industry in a consistent way and at the same time. Other incidents like system outages or cyber attacks are more like short, sharp shocks, which can knock out a single firm or a single business service. So whereas you might see some forbearance, at least um, at the outset from regulators in the context of something like a pandemic, outside that context, they will not be so tolerant. For example, if your third party provider failed and you couldn't communicate swiftly and effectively with your customers about how it impacts them and how it's being resolved, that would be the sort of issue where they won't be quite so uh, tolerant. Yeah, actually, Pansy, I think that Wirecard is a really good example of that. Um, so when the German fintech company Wirecard failed in 2020, the FCA restricted Wirecard's UK operations for a few days. And they had a knock-on effect on other firms which were relying on Wirecard services. And it's this kind of out-of-the-blue incident which firms need to have in mind when they're looking to build their resilience. So you sort of need to think, if that happened to my business and a key provider was suddenly no longer available, how would I respond? What information should be escalated and cascaded through my organisation? Who's responsible for talking to the regulators? And how are we going to communicate all of this with all our customers? To sum up then, looking back, we can point to lessons learned from COVID-19, uh, some example incidents from 2020, and also further research the FCA has been doing uh, into how firms manage IT upgrades. Just before we wrap up then, uh, let's look briefly ahead when the final rules come out, um, what do you think firms are going to be looking out for? Well, Simon, I think that firms will be particularly interested in the timetable that's been set by the regulators. The draft proposed an initial one-year implementation period to prepare for most of the rules to take effect, and then another three years before firms have to stay within acceptable levels of disruption. Now, given the amount of work envisaged by the new regime, 
this is a relatively short period to complete your regulatory change programme. I'd agree with that, Becky. I'd also add that firms will be looking for more guidance on some of the key concepts. Even if the rules don't change that much, firms will want to comb through the feedback in the policy statements to see if there's anything there to help them determine what an important business service is and, and what sorts of metrics they should be including in their tolerance levels, messages like that. Thank you very much. And no doubt we'll pick up on uh, some of those points in future episodes. Before then, it would be great to hear from you. So please get in touch if you have any questions. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Thank you.